We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Day More NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Coming at you Monday night after a Timberwolves home loss to the Atlanta Hawks, 121 to 110, in a game that didn't really feel as close as that 11 point margin. And let's just kind of start by setting the scene here quick for those of you who missed the game. Uh, Patrick Beverly missed his sixth straight game tonight. I had heard that this game had been the one he was targeting for a return. But ultimately, Beverly just got in some five-on-five run uh, with Wolves backups and coaches this morning. They decided to hold off. I think it's likely he's back for Wednesday against Utah or Friday against Cleveland, maybe at the latest. Uh, the other notable player to miss this game was D'Angelo Russell. It's uh, it's unclear exactly what's going on with D'Lo's injury status. He he missed two games in early November, you remember, with uh, with that right ankle sprain. And then he missed tonight's game with what was labeled as right ankle soreness. Kind of sounds like, you know, maybe a, a, a rest game built in there, but that doesn't exactly make sense with the Wolves having not played since Friday. So I'm not sure exactly what's going on there, but I don't have any reason to believe it's something that will be keeping him out of Wednesday's game against Utah. I haven't really asked, but it certainly doesn't have the vibe of something super serious. But anyways, both Beverly and D'Lo being out left the Wolves with only Leandro Balmaro and Jordan McLaughlin at point guard. I know Jalen Noel sometimes mixes in there too, but he also missed the game with back spasms. So Finch left with Balmaro or McLaughlin, decided to start Leandro Balmaro in Balmaro's first start in the NBA. Uh, but McLaughlin ultimately ended up playing more than Balmaro did because Balmaro hurt his leg early in the fourth quarter or third quarter. And he did not return to the game. So it's just, I mean, the injuries have really started to pile up for this Wolves team. Uh, the one positive on the injury report was that Jaden McDaniels made his return tonight from what appeared to be a really nasty bout with the flu. Finch said before the game, like, kind of joking, that Jaden lost the 10 pounds he gained over the summer with this flu, which is obviously not encouraging. But Jaden did get out there and play. Um, I'll just... We asked Jaden after the game a couple questions just about what this past week was like because, again, it was a uh, just a really a really bad flu that that kept him out of the road trip and I don't know if it was two or three games but anyways here's Jaden after tonight's game kind of explaining uh, what what he's went through these past few weeks. 
Coach Finch was saying, you know, you didn't make the trip, obviously, in the last couple of games. He said it seemed like you were barely able to get out of bed at times. Yeah. How, how, how tough was it to, to get over uh, what you had there? Uh, it was tough. I just really couldn't do much this, besides really just rest and wait. I tried to come shoot. Like, my legs didn't feel good. Like, I was dizzy all the time. So, there wasn't really nothing I could do. Just take medicine and rest so I got better. What's it like, like, Saturday or whatever, when you start to feel human again? I know it felt good, like wake up, actually feel like myself, feel like I can go walk around, have energy. So it felt better. How are you able to play again so quickly after that? Um, you know, like Coach said, feeling like yourself, maybe Saturday, now playing Monday. How do you ramp up that? Uh, really kind of like I tried to come shooting a couple of days, like even out of my house, like on say Saturday or Sunday, I tried running on the treadmill just to get my legs back. So like, I feel like that kind of helped a little bit. What was that first treadmill trip like? Uh, it wasn't like two minutes, man. <laughs> and I got off. So McDaniels was back. Beverly, Russell, and Noel all out. Um, that is the injury setup. Now let's actually talk about what happened in this game. And even if you didn't watch the game, you just took a look at the box score. Like the story was clear. The the Hawks made a ton of threes. They came out to start the game by punching the Wolves in the face with nine made threes in the first quarter. And then they punched again to start the second half with nine more made threes in the third quarter. Overall, the Hawks made 25 threes tonight on 49 attempts. I saw Alan Horton uh, just had a tweet that this was the most made threes in Atlanta Hawks history in one game. And it was also the most threes the Wolves have ever allowed in a single game. Uh, obviously, we know the NBA is changing, but that's still pretty striking. Um, I think the question here is whether or not Atlanta just got hot or if they were doing something that particularly poked at the Wolves sort of defensive holes. Uh, Chris Finch said after the game that the Hawks shot making was a product of the Wolves stopping short on closeouts, not running the Hawks all the way off the line like they normally do. Um, I think that's true. They certainly didn't run Timothy Luau Cabarro off the line. TLC made seven threes by himself. But I also thought Atlanta just did a good job of putting the Wolves in a spot where they would need to cover a long distance to get out there for those closeouts. And, and it really started with Trey Young. I mean, Trey knew the Wolves have been using Cat to blitz screens. So what Trey did was he just dragged Cat far out there on the blitz, east-west toward the sidelines when Cat would come up to show on those screens. And that really stretched out the Wolves' defense. It made it so Trey could hit Capella in the middle, and then Capella could then kick out to open three-point shooters in the corners. And, and you know, to Atlanta's credit, they just they moved the ball really well against this. Even even after the corner, you know, the Wol even if the Wolves did scramble out effectively to the corner, the Hawks found an additional pass, an additional two passes. It was, it was really a great ball movement game by Atlanta, and, you know, I think some, some credit to them. It was a back-to-back. -back. They played, like, they played a hell of a game. Um, it was it was a good strategy against the Wolves scheme, and I think by the players, it was it was executed even better. I mean, we know this isn't any sort of surefire indication that the Wolves scheme is bad or broken or anything like that. They they do remain one of the top defenses in the league, but it is kind of one of those games that lays down some tape about how to exploit the Wolves scheme when you have the right personnel to kind of exploit it. I asked Kat about the scheme sort of big picture this season. We know Kat's a proponent of it, but I'm kind of curious, or I was curious specifically about how this sort of 
added activity impacts him defense defensively when he's asked to scramble as much as he did. Here's Cat after the game. Carl, you've talked a lot about how you like this schematic change defensively, has you on the high wall. Does it feel more tiring when you're in that spot, or is it more kind of like gets you engaged to, to be running? Obviously, it's a lot more running around than, than you have before. How does it just feel physically? Um, I like it. It just fit a purpose. I can move my feet for that. You know, I, I like it. puts a lot of pressure on guards. Um, you know, I know tonight, Trey, Trey Young was the smart. He knew the high wall was coming, so he threw it before we had a chance to even, in, in essence, double-team him. And he just threw it out, bounced past through the middle. Um, got, you know, that's a claim. Clint did a great job of making plays, you know, making the right play. You know, it's, it's tough when you're not used to making those plays, but uh, he made the right pass uh, a lot of the time and uh, put us in an X, uh, X, you know, X out. Um, and they were just hitting shots, you know. So, you know, I, I like the high wall. I, I believe in it. I mean, we're number one in defense for a reason. You know, it had this work. It just, uh, like I said, I think we needed more help. You know, I think we could get out of things a little quicker. We could, you know, contest a little harder. We could, uh, you know, I, I don't think the, the, the half-court offense with the high wall was the problem. I think it was the transition, the pace they were pushing against us, and they put us in a scramble, and they were just getting some wide open threes. The Wolves do still grade out as the eighth best defense in the league. Um, Kat said they're number one on defense. I think maybe he's talking about an isolated part of the defense. Uh, my best guess is he's referencing their defense in half-court settings. So I went and looked that up. And only Golden State and Phoenix have a better defensive rating than the Wolves do on possessions in the half-court. That just means, like, you know, not transition. You come down and you set up and you run on your offense, the Wolves run their defense, third best defense in the league at that. Um, again, with the, the Wolves defense, the point here, though, isn't to isn't to say that they're bad or that their numbers on that end are some sort of fake news. But, I mean, I think those of you who listen know that my question when things don't work, again, is like, is this something that the Wolves can improve on or is this something that teams are going to continue to pick at? And I just kind of like, I'm just very curious myself and trying to figure out like, what would I do against this Wolves defense? And so I was just kind of going through looking at the Wolves' worst defensive games of the season. And the, the Wolves have had eight games this year where their defense, including tonight, where the defense was below average in a single game in terms of defensive rating. And if you look at the five worst games in terms measured again by defensive rating, the five games were the Wolves opponent shot best this season. Five games, five games this year, the opponent has shot over 39% from three. Atlanta tonight, the Clippers twice, that Charlotte game, and that Orlando game. And so I bring that up to say that the numbers kind of suggest that the best way to beat the Wolves is to try and attack the three-point line. In some ways, it says that. And that's that's interesting to me for a few reasons, because you know, you just look at the basic fundamentals and the Wolves are number two in the NBA in three-point defense. Even after tonight, opponents have only made 33% of their threes against the Wolves. Only Brooklyn has gotten better, has had better three-point defense this year. But two, it's also just kind of counterintuitive to me, at least, that attacking the perimeter against a team as small as the Wolves are is the best path. You know, I guess I'm, I'm just sitting here, and it, it sounds weird to say after the Hawks just totally punished the Wolves from deep, but I think for me as I'm going in to, to coach this game, if I'm Nate McMillan and the Hawks, like, 
it just it just feels like trying to pound the wolves inside on the interior would be the right move. And again, maybe maybe it's not, but it just it makes sense to me to try and just run pick and roll lobs to Capella and to Collins. Quite frankly, like what we've seen Atlanta do to the wolves before, and you know I think that was kind of like the book the Washington Wizards wrote on the wolves last week, right? Just like pound the interior with you know lob passes to roll men or hit the dunker spot for lobs dunks that sort of thing um that to me feels like what i would do against the wolves but again it's hard to argue with the results and it's you know hard to not note that almost every team is trying to beat the wolves on the three-point line so i'm mostly just noting that i think it's interesting that an old school coach like nate mcmillan who does have very strong pick and roll lob threat personnel thought that spacing out the perimeter was the best move against this Wolves team. And, you know, I mean, I can think whatever I think, but it is becoming the book on what to do against this Wolves defense. Spread them out. Similarly to how the book on the other end, which we know now is, is to guard cat with a small and not your center. To me, it was also, you know, smart, but I thought it was kind of surprising that Atlanta went with a small on cat. They, had Capello guard Vanderbilt and kind of hang out by the rim. As y'all know, I mean, I've been talking about this for a month. I think that's the best strategy against the Wolves, you know, guard Cat with a small. But I I think it's just noteworthy, illuminating that, like, even a team who theoretically has a quick center who can move with Cat, like the Hawks do with Capella, it's, it's just interesting that they decide to put him on Vanderbilt and still have the power forward or someone smaller guard towns and again what really illustrates to me is that what this really illustrates to me is that all teams are now kind of acknowledging that this is the move against the wolves it's what the clippers really set out to do early at the beginning of the year i mean you guys are probably sick of me talking about this but i just think it's it's noteworthy that everyone's doing it now and yes like we can look at cat individually as we have you know a handful of these games and he's putting up a big individual stat line. He had 31 points tonight, 16 rebounds. But what we're learning more is that what this does is stifle the rest of the Wolves' offense. There's just something about guarding Cat this way that is just kind of making his stat lines feel a little bit more empty than they appear to be. So I don't know. I mean, I'm just mostly noting 24 games in this season that this is the book on the Wolves. Spread out their defense, spread pick and roll, attack the middle, kick to the three-point line, swing it around the three-point line until you have until the Wolves are scrambled out, hit threes. And then on defense, the book is to guard Cat with a small, understand that he's going to get his, but feel comfortable that the ball will get sticky around him and the rest of the Wolves won't be able to find any sort of rhythm. That's the book so far. All right, let's take a quick break and then come back with more from tonight's game specifically. Today's show is brought to you by TickPick. Minnesota Timberwolves basketball is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Wolves tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NBA tickets. If you can find better prices for the same seats on any other ticket site, 
TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Visit TickPick.com slash Moore. My name, all one word, no spaces today to save $10 on your first order of Wolves tickets. I heard from a handful of fans who use TickPick to purchase their tickets to the Wolves opener after hearing about it on the pod, and they found the experience to be both easier and more affordable than previous ticket sites they had been using. The Wolves do play seven of their first eight games at Target Center, and TickPick has you covered for all of those games. It was a blast to see fans at the opener matching the Wolves' energy on the floor on Wednesday night, and I look forward to more of that to come. Again, visit TickPick.com slash Moore. My name, all one word, no spaces today, to save $10 on your first order of Wolves tickets. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, we are back discussing the Timberwolves' 11-point loss to Atlanta on Monday night. It was the Wolves' third straight loss. And man, this month, it's been, it's been a lot of, uh, I guess more than a month, maybe six weeks. It's been a lot of up and down lately. If you go back to October 30th, um, that started a streak for the Wolves where they lost eight of nine games from October 30th to November 15th. Then after that, they win five in a row. They lose one to Charlotte, and then they beat both Philadelphia and Indiana. And then now it's these three losses. You know, obviously, but it's really hard to define what even goes into one win or one loss or let alone any sort of streak. But what is just feeling like increasingly important and increasingly a signal of a Wolves win or a loss is just shooting, Shoot, just shooting in general. I mean, the Wolves have shot 34% from three in wins this year and 32% from three in losses. Now, both of those numbers are bad. League average from three this year is 35.2%. But man, you really feel it in games like tonight when the Wolves just don't have shooting out there. Yeah, I will say for the most part this season, the Wolves have done a good job for the most part of always having four players on the floor who are, you know, theoretically shooters. They've found ways to play Vanderbilt and play a Kogi, you know, kind of interchangeably with just one of them on the floor as a non-shooter. I think it's been good rotations there by Finch, but 
But tonight they were forced into playing almost the entire game with two non-shooters on the floor. And what we've learned over this past week, at least for now, is that Bomaro is in the non-shooter group. And when Bomaro is out there next to Vanderbilt, we, we, the, spading, the spacing just it craters. It's kind of like reminiscent of what it used to be in past years when the Wolves would, you know, kind of in the Ryan Saunders era, have to run lineups with two, even three non-shooters out there. I mean, tonight made it so, you know, Josh Okoge to play, he had to make shots or he couldn't play. Okoge missed two open threes in the seven minutes he played in the first half. And because he missed them, Finch didn't play him in the second half. So, I mean, that's part of the shooting problem here. You know, there's some messy spacing on the floor when the Wolves have non-shooters out there. Probably, I mean, the bigger problem here is that, you know, the quote-unquote shooters on this team just aren't making them. Again, league average average from through the season is 35.2%, which is actually down overall. Like, league-wide three-point shooting last season was 37.2%. And if we just arbitrarily use that line of 37.2 to, you know, whatever, to just draw a line, like, the Wolves only have one player on their team who's shooting over 37.2% from three, and that's Carl Anthony Towns, who's now up to an insane 45.2%. But everyone else on the roster is 37% or lower. Nas Reed, 37%. Anthony Edwards, 34%. Patrick Beverly, 34%. Malik Beasley, even though he made six threes tonight, he's still only at 33%. D'Angelo Russell, 32%. Torian Prince, 28%. Jaden McDaniels, 27%. Jordan McLaughlin, 21%. Josh Kogi, 17%. Leandro Balmaro, 14%. Jalen Noel, 12%. And Jared Vanderbilt, 0%. I mean, we are, we're, we're getting to the point where when we start thinking about what this team's to, team needs to add, like shooting is almost becoming a bigger need than adding a big. Cat has taken 135 threes this season, and he's made 45.2% of them. Everyone else on the roster combined has shot 876 threes, and they've only made 31.6% of them. There's just no consistency to this team's three-point shooting. And it's not like Ant and D'Lo and Beasley don't get hot. We see bursts from them. Beasley popped off in the fourth quarter tonight. He made four threes in the fourth. But again, there's, there's no consistency and and cat was asked after the game tonight just if he sees this team as a playoff caliber team and i thought his answer was related to this and and pretty on point here's cat hey carl hope you're doing well playoffs uh, the atlanta hooks are a playoffs caliber team how far or how close you feel you are from those caliber teams at this point of the season Oh, I feel good. I feel real good about us still. I mean, um, let's not get it uh, confused. I think we have a lot of games left. And I think that we realize the mistakes we make. Um, I think I want to think I, I've said it in post games before. Um, I think this team will make the playoffs if we learn the word consistency on a daily basis. And, and we learn to uh, play Wolves basketball, regardless of how the game is being played out. Um, we we got to fight till every second. Regardless of the game today was out of question, we have to play to the final second so the horn goes off, and uh, we we got it. We got to instill our, our our game and our identity every single day, regardless of the seconds and regardless of the score. So uh, consistency, consistency, and discipline will take this team very far. Uh, I think that if we build those two things, uh, 
the world knows what we could accomplish this year. So consistency is the word. Consistency in the discipline Kat is talking about there. But I really do think some consistency and some solid shooting would just go a long way for this team. They do have some non-shooters on the team. That's going to, you know, that's going to take a little bit of a toll. But they also have a group of guys who should be shooting a lot better than they are. Moving on tonight uh, to tonight's forgotten star of the game. Got a quick announcement for you that I will be bugging you about over the next few weeks here. And that is that we are going to do a Wolves watch party on December 21st at Forgotten Star Brewery. Uh, those of you, obviously, I talk about Forgotten Star all the time on the pod here. Those of you who came to the draft lottery event we did at Forgotten Star know the setup there. Um, there's, there's a ton of space to watch the game. Uh, there's some TVs. We'll also have a projector screen in place there. It should be you know, a real solid setup for watching the Wolves play the Mavs on December 21st. So so throw that on your schedule. Uh, come watch the game at Forgotten Star in Fridley on the 21st. If you didn't come for the lottery event, just know Forgotten Star is like 15 minutes from downtown, if that. Um, would love to see you all there. Again, I'll have more details in the coming weeks, but December 21st. And speaking of Forgotten Star, tonight's Forgotten Star of the game was Malik Beasley. Obviously, this ties into our shooting theme. Uh, Beasley made six threes tonight on 13 three-point attempts. Uh, he... he Kind of, he kept the game close in the second half. He he making all six of his threes in the third and fourth quarters. And it's just, you know, when he starts going off like that, you just, you can just feel the Wolves need him. I mean, and not just in these bursts. They need Beasley to bring this shooting more consistently. His shooting feels almost the most bursty on this team. And, you know, it's it's great when it happens, but that's just not what he's paid to be. Beasley signed that big deal to be a high-volume, near 40% three-point shooter. That's the expectation. Now, I know the Wolves had a crazy amount of injuries tonight. It threw the rotation off, a whole bunch of stuff. But it's the middle of the year now, and with that, guys are going to be in and out of the lineup. Like, there's going to be games like that. And in the second unit, the Wolves need that scoring punch from Beasley. They just need it even more. The second unit has been so reliant on D'Lo running the show, or tonight, you know, it was Ant who subbed back into the second unit. And I, I would just like to see Beasley independently be able to bring some of that second unit spark. You know, they like him in the six-man role, and that you know seems to be the long-term plan for Beasley, but he's not filling the shoes. Like, what they need from him is to play in that role as the six-man the way he did as a starter last season. And outside of tonight, that just hasn't been happening much. But... Tonight it did. Beasley had 24 points. He was a team best, uh, plus eight and plus minus. And they they need that every night or more nights. It's 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 very clear that the Wolves are just hungry for more production from Malik Beasley specifically as a shooter. So Malik Beasley was tonight's forgotten star of the game, presented by presented by Forgotten Star Brewery again December 21st. Will be at Forgotten Star to. Uh, to watch the Wolves Mavericks game tip off for that game is 6:30 but come at 6 p.m. or earlier I'll probably be there at like 5 and you can you can get yourself a spot. We'll wrap up tonight's show with prize picks. I see some of the metrics from this and I'm really glad that many of you are, you know, having fun playing prize picks this year. Uh to, I I'm starting to even get picks right. Tonight I went 3-0 and 1 on my picks. Uh, I got Anthony Edwards over on two and a half made free throws to hit Ant made six free throws tonight on a 20-point night. He only shot four of 13 from two, 
but you could tell he was really intentional about attacking the basket early and often. If Ant's getting to the line for five, six, seven, eight free throws in a game, you can better live with some of these shooting nights that are under 50% from two. We also got the over on Jared Vanderbilt rebounds. His over-under was eight and a half. Vando had 13 boards tonight. That was the eighth time in the last nine games that Vanderbilt has had double-digit rebounds. If you just go like NBA.com, permanent basis, rebounding, it's it's Vanderbilt is pretty undeniably one of the best rebounders in the entire NBA. I also had Trey Young over four and a half made free throws. That also hit. Trey was also aggressively attacking the rim. He shot 13 free throws tonight, made 11 of them. The Wolves just continue to struggle to defend without fouling. So those overs on uh, star player made free throws, I feel like, have become a pretty good bet against the Wolves. The one I didn't hit, but I pushed on, was the over on two made threes for Kevin Herter. Herter made two threes in the first quarter tonight, but actually missed all his threes for the rest of the game. So overall, that was 3-0-1 on the night, which pushes me up a good amount over 500 on the year. Actually, I'm now 47-40-4 on the season. I'm finally giving decent advice. I do tweet out these picks every game about an hour before tip-off. And if you want to wager on those picks or make your own picks, all you got to do is make a prize picks account. Prize picks will give you a $100 sign-up bonus if you join using the promo code DANE. Easy thing to do while you're watching these games. It's fun. Prize picks app, promo code Dane if you're going to join. Alrighty, that is all I've got for you tonight. I'll be back with another show for you Tuesday evening. Britt Robson will join me at the game. Britt told me he's going to be writing about the Wolves' offense thus far this season. So you'll have some of the chance to bounce some of these things I've been talking about tonight off Britt. I look forward to chatting with him. The Wolves really do need to solve this offense if they are going to get back on track. Again, three straight losses. And the road ahead does not get much easier. It's home for Utah on Wednesday and home for Cleveland on Friday before a little road trip to Portland and Denver at the beginning of next week. I'll actually be on that road trip. So lots of Wolves talk the rest of this week and this week in Minnesota and then over the weekend and in the beginning of next week in Portland and Denver. I look forward to seeing what this team can do to bounce back. They need to. Um, I think part of that bounce back will probably, if it happens, be tied to the return of Patrick Beverly, D'Angelo Russell, and the rest of the squad just getting at least somewhere close to health. Again, I'll talk to you tomorrow with Britt. Until then, thank you for listening. I'm Dane. Peace out.